0: Let me go straight to the passage we're looking at this morning. I'm reading from John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. He wrote an account of the life of Jesus, and you can find that in one of the four Gospels, uh, named after John. I'm reading from John chapter 12, verses 20 to 27. The verses will come up for us on on the screen. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, in Galilee with a request. So they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And Jesus continued, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Matt and Sam, I want to invite you to look at the latter part of verse 26. My Father will honor the one who serves me. As you head back home after two years of serving all of us in New City and the city of Mumbai, I assure you, you're going back with the honor of the Father. Your Father. Our Father is honoring you and He will continue to honor you for your service to Him, for your faithful service to Him. Allow me to pray before we dive into this passage. Father, we uh, thank You that this morning uh, we have Your Word and we have the testimonies of people who live by Your Word. And we believe, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit is here in our midst. Uh, we believe that, that You want to impart something significant, something beautiful, something life-altering to every one of us. Uh, So we stand with open hands to receive that. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one quick introductory thought uh, before we really dive into this passage. Uh, This passage shows two kinds of people uh, interacting with Jesus. The first group is, of course, Philip and Andrew and all the other disciples of Jesus. Uh, they believed in Jesus. They believed he is the son of God. They believed in the death and the destruction of Jesus was the only way we can have a relationship with God. That's the first group. And the second group are, are the Greeks who came looking for Jesus, saying, we want to see Jesus. These Greeks were not yet believers of Jesus, but they were curious about Jesus. They liked Jesus. They wanted to know more about him. And these are who we would call explorers. And if this is your first time in a church that you are exploring who Jesus is. And this passage reinforces one of the core values that this church, New City Church, is founded on. We believe that true worship is always a triangle. Believers worshiping Jesus and also inviting explorers to worship. And I believe that's what you experienced this morning. And so if you're an explorer, if this is your first time in the church, we want you to know that everything we do in this church is also designed to be relevant and meaningful to you. That said, let's, let's just dive into the heart of what this passage is all about. What's the central message in this passage? What is the most important thing that Jesus is trying to impress on our hearts through this passage? I think it's verses 24 and 25. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So verse 24 is first a reference To Jesus himself. He is the seed that falls to the ground and through his and dies and through his death produces many seeds. So the seed is for Jesus himself. But then in verse 25, when Jesus says that anyone who loves their life will lose it and anyone who hates their life will keep it. (coughs) The obvious implication is that like Jesus, we too are to fall to the ground and die so that we can be fruitful like Jesus. This is challenging. In fact, this passage captures the sum of all fears that some of us have about Christianity. You see, some of us, uh, over the years, we've learned to carefully and, and, and deliberately keep a certain distance from Jesus and the church. We're engaged, I'm not saying we're not engaged, but we, we kind of hold a distance. We do this because we're afraid that if we come too close to Jesus, he's going to ask us for everything. That's the fear. You see, we, we want to be the seed that kind of hangs out with Jesus one or two Sundays a month. But we don't want to be the seed that falls to the ground and dies so that it can bear much fruit. To some degree or the other, all of us are quite happy, and I'm sure that all of us are very happy to give a little bit of our lives to Jesus. And all of us, when I say all, I mean absolutely all, myself first, we are all hesitant to give all of our lives to Jesus. And so all of us are perfectly happy living what I call comfortable Christianity. You know, come to church once or twice a month, give a little money, you know, once in a while, uh, read the Bible and pray maybe once or twice a week, uh, and, and uh, especially when we have a problem. That's comfortable Christianity. But Jesus, in this passage and all through the Bible, is not calling us to mere comfortable Christianity. Jesus is calling us to true gospel Christianity, where we die to ourselves and live for others just as Christ died to himself and lived for us. And so this move from giving a little bit of ourselves to giving all of ourselves to Jesus, this is what I call the plunge. This move from from comfortable Christianity to, to radical gospel Christianity is what I call the plunge. we thought about it. Would we take this plunge? Matt and Sam, they they took that plunge many years ago. Not just two years ago. Many years ago. And and two years ago, they decided to to forsake higher studies or a well-paying job and come to India. They were well and truly living in the plunge. To take the plunge simply means to be the seed that dies to itself so that it can bear fruit for others wherever God may place us or wherever God may take us. I need to clarify one thing here. To take the plunge does not necessarily mean we have to quit our job and go to another country for two years. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It could also include that in some of our lives. But we must all take the plunge by staying in our jobs and wholeheartedly serving Jesus and others through our jobs. And so the very essence of taking the plunge is to be inspired by Jesus so much and to believe in Jesus so totally that we too will die to ourselves and live for others. Let explain what I mean by the plunge. Allow me to draw three things for us from the passage. First, we want to look at the fear of the plunge. It's a very real fear. Second, we want to talk about the joy of the and third, in closing, we look at the power for the plunge. The fear of the plunge, the joy of the plunge, and the power for the plunge. Let's move to the fear of the plunge. Plunge. We're all afraid, to some degree or the other, to take the plunge from comfortable Christianity to gospel Christianity. But the question I want to engage with us this morning is... What are we really afraid of? What is it that is holding us back? Why are we afraid to take the punch? What is the real fear that we're talking about here? You just take a moment to to think about this. I think there are two intertwined fears that are play here. First, the first fear is that we're afraid that if we serve others, we will end up losers. And we're afraid that if we serve others, we will lose sight of our life goals, our life ambitions, our dreams, our desires, our comfort, our security. And and these fears clearly play out in how much of our time and how much of our money are we willing to give in serving Jesus, his church, and, and others. Second deep fear is that we're all of our future security and comfort. If I sell people too much, if I give away too much of my time, if I give away too much of my money, will I be secure in my, in my future? And so implicit in that is, we don't trust Jesus to take care of our future. So deep inside, we believe that we have to work really, really hard to ensure our career success and our financial security and so we will rarely miss work, and we be fine with missing church quite frequently. Stay with me here, please. While we definitely, all of us, while all of us definitely want Jesus to bless our careers, sadly, we fear that Jesus may become a distraction who will take our eyes off our personal success. So we don't get too close to Jesus. Let me tell you one more thing. If, if you know, all of us experience this fear to varying degrees, but if you've really been crippled by this fear, if you've really been gripped by this fear, I believe God has brought you to New City with, with a purpose. What we're celebrating while we're celebrating Matt and Sam this morning. Uh, they're not the only ones whom God has placed for us as testimonies uh, on how we can, all, every one of us, without exception, overcome the fear of taking this place. <coughs> Felix, most of us know knows Felix, uh, Felix works full-time at New City. His job here is to serve us all and build us in Christ. And Felix was in a pretty good carpet job. He, he was a protege of the founder of the company he worked for. But when he heard God's call to move to Mumbai and take up this pastoral role in new city, he fell to the ground and died so that he could bear fruit for our sake. You know, you and I may not really think of this often, but this is the truth as bluntly as it needs to be put. If you and I, we don't tie it, Felix will not get a salary. Do you see the fate that the risk that he's taking in his faith in Christ Jesus? Do you see uh, the extent of dying to self that this role demands, that this role calls for? Let me ask you something. Have you seen Felix nervous and anxious and worried? Or do you see him filled with joy and purpose? Or have you ever heard Matt and Sam grumble to you saying the trains in Mumbai are so hard, man? Have, have you ever heard them grumble about how, how, how hard life is in Mumbai? Not at all. Quite the contrary, have we not always seen them, seen them full of purpose and joy? And that brings us to the second thing that I want to draw for us from the passage the joy of taking the plunge. The joy of taking the plunge. Let me go back to verses 24 and 25 again. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What? Are Are you telling me that I cannot love my life if I follow Jesus, yeah, as I've been saying, this passage does evoke some fears in every one of us. But if you read this really carefully, if we read this passage carefully, it shows us that our fears are actually unfounded. This passage is a very simple and yet a very powerful way to understand that we lose nothing but gain everything by giving up all of our lives to Jesus. Here is a kernel of wheat. We'll have a picture of that come up. This is a kernel of wheat. All of us know that for sure. And here is a picture of some fully grown wheat plants that are bearing more seed. What would you rather be? What would you rather be just remain that kernel of wheat or, or be this beautiful, fruitful field? And the question I want us to consider this morning is, is there any other way to make this transition from the kernel of wheat to this beautiful seed, a beautiful field, except by the seed falling to the ground and dying? The dying to self that Jesus is talking about here is actually a growing in God. The seed has grown to these beautiful parts. Jesus is calling us to see that for the kernel of seed, dying is actually growing. And so it is for each of us. Our dying to ourselves is actually a growing to Christ. The truth that's going to take away our fears that Jesus wants us to see in this passage is that dying to ourselves is growing. Dying by giving up all of our life to Jesus is actually growing in all of our lives. In other words, we only grow in the areas in which we die to ourselves. We only grow in the areas in which we die to ourselves. This dying to self that Jesus is calling us to is actually a growing to God. And so Jesus is calling us to see that in Christ, in Christ, the pain of dying is nothing compared to the joy of growing. And if we don't take this plunge, we will never know the joy of growing in God. If we keep living by giving only a little bit of ourselves to Jesus, we will never know the joy of receiving Him fully. You know, using an illustration from life, a woman who's unwilling to endure the pain of carrying a baby through the term of nine months. A never knows the joy of being a mother. And that's the first joy uh, of, of taking the plunge that I want to talk about. Dying to ourself is a growing to God. And this growing is joyful. Um... What does this joy look like? What, what, what does it look like in, in, in practical terms? Let me give you an example from, you know, from the slice of RO likes. Many of us know that you know, I, I kind of took a 50% cut of my pay so that I could work only two days a week at the paper that I work for and spend more time serving the church. Okay, you know, end of September, it's exactly three years since Aji and I took this step of faith. Have you seen us uh, fearful, anxious, nervous during these three days? Or have you seen us joyful? And Matt and Sam will tell you this. Felix will tell you this. We will, and not just us, so many of us who've been serving, so many of us who've been giving and serving through these years will tell you that we will never ever end up as losers if we serve others because of our faith. So even as we consider the joy of taking the plunge, allow me to reflect a little bit more. Why do we not take the plunge? Why do some of us hold back? Why do we not take the plunge? We do not take the plunge to live for Jesus because we've already taken the plunge to live for our personal success. That has become far more important to us than following Christ. But let, let's talk through this a little bit. Stay with me here. Let's think through this uh, uh, a little bit. What is the joy that we are seeking in taking the plunge for selfish personal success rather than taking the plunge for Jesus? We are all taking the plunge. And what is the joy? What is it that we want? What is it that we are aiming for when we take the plunge of personal success and and, and,
1: and keep Jesus to the second third, or perhaps just in fourth place. What is it
0: that we are seeking in our, in our personal success? And sure, it includes increments, a better job, and all of that, but if we actually, actually really look down beneath all of that, deep inside, we're all longing for the applause of men. Deep inside, we're all deep inside. The reason we crave for personal success is that we're craving for the honor of men. That's what we're after deep inside, is it not? Fame, success, and applause. Everybody needs to look at that and say, wow, what a successful man he is, what a successful woman she is. That's what we are going after. The truth is, personal career success will earn us the applause of men. It will. It will earn us the glory of, of men. Repeating that is enough, we're going to be very disappointed. Because the applause of men can change in a day. You know that in your workplace, and I know it in mine. If someone better than you comes along tomorrow, the very man who applauded you today will abandon you and applaud someone else who's better than you tomorrow. Can we live with that? Can we live under the burden of having to earn the applause of men every single day? And this joy that we're seeking in taking the plunge for our selfish personal success instead of serving Jesus is a fleeting joy. This joy doesn't last for more than a moment. But what is the joy that we can have if we take the plunge of serving Jesus with all of our lives? The answer is there in the second part of verse 26. My father will honor the one who serves me. My father will honor the one who who serves me. What would we rather have? Men and women honoring us for our accomplishments, or God honoring us for our service. What would we rather have? Men honoring us for our accomplishments, our God, God himself, the creator of heaven and earth, honoring us for our service. So if, if God, if God's Holy Spirit is bringing us to a moment of conviction, of, of repentance, let's, let's just allow that to sink in for a moment. Let's allow God to really work in our hearts. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to think through, what is it that really matters in our lives? What is the one thing that we're really putting everything at stake for? So that brings us to the question: How how do we change? How can we train and coach our hearts to love Jesus more than we love our career success, or more than we love anything else? And that's the last thing I want to draw for us from the passage: the power for the plunge. How do we find the power to live the plunge? How do we find the power to take the plunge? something really poignant that's happening in verses 26 and 27 from the passage that I'd really like to draw your attention to. Join with me to just take a moment to pause and then really hear what Jesus is telling his disciples here. Verse 26 will come up for us on the screen. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And then it transitions to verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was this very reason I came to this hour. Did you notice the transition from verse 26 to verse 27? Let me crisply paraphrase these two verses. In verse 26, Jesus is essentially saying, My father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus is saying, his father will honor the one who serves him. Having said that, Jesus transitions rather abruptly to verse 27, where he says, but my soul is troubled. What is the connection between Jesus saying, my father will honor the one who serves him. What's the connection between that to a rather abrupt transition to, but my soul is troubled. What? What? Is troubling the very soul of Jesus in this passage. It is, because of the transition here, it is the thought of us serving Him. Let me explain that. If you serve me, the Father will honor you, but my soul is troubled, I have to go to the cross. The soul of Jesus is troubled in this moment, because he knows we will be faithless in serving him. Jesus is saying, if you serve me, my father will honor you. But my soul is troubled. Jesus knows that so many of us, we will be selfish, and we will not serve him, and so we will lose out on the honor the Father desires to give us. I'm sure many of us can relate to that. If we look inside our soul, we know. We know we will not serve God to the extent He blessed us. We know we will not serve God to the extent He loved us. And just in knowing this, it is precisely for this that Jesus died on the cross being punished for our failures so that by his sacrifice we do receive the honor of the Father (coughs) that we don't deserve. The soul of Jesus is troubled because he knows that none of us will ever take the complete plunge that the Father Deserves in Matt's words, he is worthy of it all. God is worthy of it all. Soul of Jesus is troubled because he knows none of us will take the full punch that the Father deserves. He knows that every one of us, myself first, will hold something back. He knows we will all hold our Lord back. He knew that none of us, none of us, i ever going to give our all to the Father. And so Jesus, he gave his all as our substitute. He, he lived the perfect life, taking the plunge in every way, giving up everything. He did that in our place as our substitute. He did the good we should have done And he took the punishment for the good we failed to do because of our selfishness. Jesus died for our selfishness so that we could grow by his selflessness. And Jesus died. That's what the cross is all about. He died to purchase forgiveness for our rebellion in loving our careers or even our ministry more than we love God. That being true, how do we find the power to take this plunge? We find the power day by day, one step at a time, we find the power to take the plunge by seeing, believing in, and walking with the one who took the plunge, on our behalf Christ Jesus when we see God stepping down to become man when we see God making up for the failures of men when we see God taking on the punishment that men and women you and I deserve for our failures to serve God when we see Christ the Son of God God himself being punished so that we can be forgiven when we see Christ being dishonored on the cross so that the Father who honor us as we see it day after day after day. As we live in that reality, we find the power to take the plunge. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more joy we find in giving him more of our lives. The more time we spend with him, the more joy we find in giving away more of our lives back to God. And so I want to close with five, six, very simple, practical applications. It shouldn't take more than a couple of minutes. You see, sometimes taking the plunge is not always a leap. If you see um, skydivers and if you see... um, I don't know what that is—an yeah. adventure sport when when you have those wings and you jump off this cliff. Rarely do you see uh, paragliding. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Para—you know what I mean. <laughs> when you see them jump off the cliff, rarely do they stand on the cliff and just jump off. What you will see every one of them do is run for a few steps, take a few small steps, and then they leap to the plunge. And, and so, so it is in the walk with Jesus. It takes some small steps. So for us to get the momentum of faith that we need before we go and take the clutch. So I want to just, just suggest five, six very small steps for us that all of us can, can get And if you, if you find, if you sense in your heart God calling you, God drawing you by my Matt's story, by, by my Sam's story, to, to, if you're experiencing this desire to give more of your lives to Jesus, A great way to start would be by looking at some of these steps, simple steps. Would we give up a little bit of Netflix in the night so that we can wake up a little early to spend some time reading the Bible and praying to Jesus? That's dying to sell. That's dying to sell. If you've never come at 9.30 a.m., to this facility, the service begins at eleven. But if you never come at 9.30, 11, 9.30 a.m. to help set up all of this, to get the chairs, the instruments, the music, everything ready, would you consider giving up a little bit of your sleep on Sunday morning to come and serve on set up at nine? There is a joy in serving together. Every time I come in the morning, not just me, so many people, about 50, of us land up here. Every time we come, we just find so much joy in serving together. We are inspired in our faith. If you're a good cook, would you die to yourself a little bit by waking up earlier on Sunday morning to to make breakfast for the team that comes to set up and serve? Small way to die to yourself. Uh, For those of us, who are not or finding it a struggle to tithe, why don't we take a step of faith and give away 10% at least of our salary this month? The earth's not going to come crashing down. Or if you're someone who's fighting who's regularly, we celebrate that. And if you've been saving consistently, if you're a consistent saver and you're very disciplined and you, your portfolios and your SIPs are all doing great, praise God, we want to celebrate that. But if you're that person, Dying to yourself could mean just giving away one month of your savings to serve the sex workers that we are trying to help find freedom in our partnership with Surveyor, and staying to for ourselves. Time for ourselves to bear fruit for others. Denying ourselves that one extra month of saving, which can actually change the lives of others. If you've never been to a gap, which is home groups that meet in, small, uh, in smaller groups that meet in different people's homes in different parts of the city. Uh, that's where we really engage with one another. We kind of dress in with God's truth, pray together, read the Bible together, have fun together, celebrate together. We grow in Christ through, through these small group interactions. we will never be, uh, would you, giving up, let giving up a little bit of your time to plug in to one of the gap groups this week. Small steps. Small steps. We're going to move into communion in just a little bit. And we're going to pray for all of us to receive grace to take the plunge. But even as you walk up and ask God to give you grace, give us grace to take the plunge, could we also pray for grace to take one small step this week? A few steps like that, and we will have the momentum of faith to take the punch. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We worship. We thank you for your word. We thank you. We thank you that the power for the plunge does not come from ourselves. We thank you that you are not calling us to take the plunge on our strength. You are not calling us to do that. Lord. And Jesus, we also thank you that you are not calling us to do. Anything which you have not already done as our substitute, as a man here on earth, even though you are always fully God, we thank you that you are not calling us to endure any pain that you have not endured for us. We thank you that your call upon our lives to live for others, to serve others. Lord, Christ to us through Your death, through Your suffering, through Your resurrection on the cross. Thank You, Jesus. We worship You. We give You glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.